Human beings have been sharing stories for hundreds of thousands of years. And with those stories came the emotional, spiritual, and physical knowledge of the ancients. Shaman Durek, a sixth generation shaman and best-selling author of Spirit Hacking, bridges the gap between science and spirituality and brings us back to our roots. He's here to bring forth the ancient wisdom of our elders, to help heal and bring happiness into our modern society. The time has come to end codependency and put the power back into people's hands. Welcome to the tribe. Hey Tribe, we're going to take a short break to hear from one of our amazing sponsors, who is Lit Verified. What is the shaman school? No, you're not going to be studying to pursue a career in shamanism or to bang a drum. The definition of shamanism is one who understands relationship. The Shaman School offering reminds you how to have a better relationship with things and how to nurture these relationships, whether it be with yourself, the food you eat, the people you meet, your ancestry, community, the global community, animals, nature, and so forth. My goal is to demystify spirituality, to add a bit of science and understanding of how things operate in the energetic planes. The Shaman School's no-nonsense teaching explores all faculties of experience, from the physical, the emotional range, the mental capacity for information, dialogue, lexicon, energy, perception, awareness, how to understand the energy of currency, and so much more. Fundamental education teaches the basics that we need in society, how to read, write, add, subtract, pay our bills, or how to become doctors, artists, mechanics, etc. But the Shaman School is a school that we all should have been a part of, one that offers the additional tools needed to better understand who we are, why we think the way we do, what's going on behind the scenes, and what we are actually seeing and processing. Are you living well? Are you paying bills just to keep the roof over your head? Are you in a relationship but not fulfilled? Satisfaction cannot be lowered anymore by the inability to recognize possibility. Living well means fulfilling your ideas and your goals and your dreams and having the best time doing it. In the Shaman School, I've extracted the best from all of the world philosophies, religions, spiritual teachings, and theories, offering a juice without pulp that will empower your life. The Shaman School invites you to a world where you're able to seize the tools of understanding, where you're able to have fun and have more because you deserve more. Go to shamandurek.com and click on The Shaman School for the first step toward ultimate happiness and an understanding of your truest self. Let's make things easier and not harder for our life. We deserve that. See you soon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. I'm Shaman Durek, and we are embarking on this amazing journey of what it means and how we show up for ourselves. And we've been talking a lot about that on the podcast recently. But what we really have to understand, showing up for ourselves isn't just what we say to ourselves and how we interact with people and the kindness and love that we bring forth into the world. It's also about what we're putting into our bodies and it's awareness of what we're putting 
in our bodies, as well as the connection and the resource that it's coming from when it connects to nature. And so the reason why I really am excited because uh, you all know that I don't get into anything unless I feel really, really strong about the ethics and the contribution and the energy that someone creates to bring change on the planet for both our internal and external experience while being here. And that's one of the reasons why I'm excited because I have in studio right now, Adriana Ayales, who is an herbalist, a medicine maker, an educator, and the founder of Anima Mundi. Now, I'm going to be posting some of the products on my Instagram um, uh, soon. So I really want you all to be able to check that out. But it's not just about a product. This is about taking medicine for the body and the art of the medicine that goes into the body. And she's originally from Costa Rica and started Anima Mundi several years ago in Brooklyn. And I, you know, I'm a, I'm a new old school New Yorker, everybody, you know, and I think it's important that someone like her is taking something that's so ancient and so um, from the earth and bringing it into modern day, which is so important because the modern world isn't traveling to the Amazon, isn't going to Costa Rica. Not everyone travels to these places to be able to learn and understand how to bring this enrichment into their life. And that is exactly what she has done for everyone to make it easier for you so you can be at home anywhere in the world. Her heart is purely created in the understanding of the true farm to pharmacy and the experience the art of medicine is making when it comes to these herbs. And she offers a wide spectrum of remedies and plants from around the world to integrate these energies and these powerful medicines into your body. I'm so honored for her knowledge in Ayurveda and Chinese Taoist medicine and European style alchemy. And that's one of the reasons why we have her on today's podcast, because all of us need education and all of us need to connect with things that are connecting us back to our rooted knowledge. So I just want to say welcome. Thank you, my love, Adriana, for being here. Thank you for that. And so great to be here with you. So honored and special. Thank you. So now I want to go just right to back to when it all started and what was the motivation behind it that actually made you feel that this is what you have to bring as a medicine woman? Mm -hmm. So from a young age, I had profound spiritual experiences. Um, at that time, I had no idea that was abnormal or different. I think all children in general are naturally wired to be tuned into these realms of spirit and beyond. So when I was young, I just was diving into these realities. I would see from like diseased spirits to ancestors to just spirits of the land that I just didn't know how to interpret. And of course, as a child, I would articulate this and I would just sound like I'm talking about my invisible friend somewhere or whatever, which is so, you know, kind of tossed aside to this day and always has been right. And so thankfully, my grandmother at that time, she would she used to come over and we would have like coffee and cookies every Sunday or whatever. And she we would do these meditations. And since I was I was doing them since I was around seven years old and we would invoke the spirits into the space and I would just have profound connection to so many different situations and realities that 
it was just really cathartic for me at that time. I just didn't know what to do with it. It was also very troubling in a lot of ways for me too. It made me, you know, you kind of emotionally as you're evolving and your hormones as a kid, it feels like you're going crazy, right? (laughs) And so at that time, she really helped me metabolize what I was seeing. Same with my great aunt. They had very special powers to see and connect with spirits. And so for me, it was just really hard to take it all in, but I did. And so as I kind of grew older, as a teenager, I was trying to figure out what I loved. I used to read, you know, all sorts of books at that time from like reincarnation to connecting with curanderos from from Costa Rica and in several parts of South America that work with plant medicines and so on. And so as I connected with them and studied different healing modalities, that's when I knew herbs were assigned to me, which was funny because at that time I resisted it. I was like, I don't really care about herbs so much as a kid. I would just be like, I want to do more mediumship or more channeling and those kinds of things. Because I I was working with a lot of curanderos that did mentalistas. They're called like people that use their mind to channel spirit. And so I really wanted to be like them as like a 14 year old, you know. And so then uh, as I grew older and I learned to listen to the spirits, I just knew I had to keep following the path of herbs. And here I am just following what they're guiding me to do. That's so beautiful. You know, we say in shamanism, you're you either an earth shaman or a spirit shaman or fire shaman or a water shaman or an air shaman. And the spirits moved you into being an earth shaman. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it's so funny how even though you think you're choosing, sometimes you just don't get to choose. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I had, the, I had the same thing. I wanted to be an earth shaman, but they made me a spirit shaman where I'm channeling and bringing spirits through. And I was like, no, I want to learn about the plants. <laughs> and they just kept pushing me away from it and bringing me back. So I totally understand what you're saying. And and it's beautiful, too, because it's there's always that breaking moment when you're a kid where you start to look at the mundane world and then you look at the spiritual world and then you ask yourself, how come more people don't acknowledge the spirit world and why are they putting so much emphasis on the mundane world? So what was your experience like, um, you know, bridging the ancient remedies to the modern day world? Mm -hmm. It was interesting. I didn't really know how to do it at that, at that moment. You know, I started very young. I even saw my first client when I was like 16 And I was just thinking it was fun. You know, I was like, okay, I'm just going to keep working under what I've learned with these curanderos and curanderas that I really, to this day, revere so much. And it was hard because their systems of medicine that I learned, let's say like plant dietas, are very much isolating yourself in the forest, you know, not being distracted by technology, people, situations, or daily occurrences of the home, you know. So it's all about being in isolation and channeling through cleansing your body from your usual habits of diet or whatever you consume, you know? So what's funny is that I was like, how can we do that, but still keep living the life we're living, you know, doing these Zoom calls and living a digital world. And so I thought if we could somehow, you know, create very high vibrational remedies with those powerful intentions of prayer, you know, you're like really creating medicine in this state, in this grid of prayer that you can create anywhere you are in the world, then you can really channel that medicine into anything, any, any potion bottle or medicine or makeup that you do. You know, I told the story that this one curandero I used to work with that he would only wildcraft his herbs. He lived in the middle of nowhere. People would trek all the way out to go see him, you know, people with like deadly diseases and uncurable things and they would go to him and he would have let's say like i don't know five to ten different wild crafted herbs depending what he found 
but he said it had to have the wild chemistry in it or it just didn't work for him. And so when they would come, he would go into a state of channeling and then the, the patient would eventually be assigned one or two herbs maximum. You know, it was never like this fancy, let's say Chinese formula that has like 18 yeah. herbs. Right? <laughs> but, it too, but it was just so different. It's very simple. You know, it's like one herb for like three weeks and then maybe changing. And so all these patients would undergo serious energetic sessions that he would channel in the moment through like sweeping, barridas, the egg, limpias. Yes. And they would leave with like ruda, which is classic, right? A classic plant in all Mesoamerican shamanism or chamomile, manzanilla. Yeah. They would be and go drink manzanilla tea. That was often the prescription. And a lot of people were like disappointed, like chamomile. What is chamomile going to heal my chronic disease? You know, it was like there was so much disbelief. But the whole point was the prayer he inputted into the herbs that he would put in a baggie in a banana leaf to give to the patient was what was energetically charged. It wasn't just manzanilla as a chamomile you buy at any store, you know? Yeah. So it's interesting that he had so much power. He was a mentalista that he channeled his mental power into the herb, blessed it, gave it to her with a, pres a prescription downloaded from spirit for them to intake in a specific way at a specific time, whether it's baños florales or teas or, you know, and so on. So it was just very interesting to see that it's not really the herb was more of like the carrier of the vibration more than just the herb itself being medicinal, you know? Absolutely. I think a lot of, I think a lot of the things that I see today, which kind of, I want to say disappoint me, but it's a little off-putting is when I see people who go into these medicines and so forth and don't realize the true depth of rooted knowledge that is coming from the medicine itself and also the spirits that are bringing the connection to that medicine. Because I think people just think, oh, if I take this medicine, you know, it's going to do this. So I can do that, you know, so I'm just going to go from the Western world and just go get a bunch of medicine and just go ahead and give it to a bunch of people mm -hmm. instead of realizing that there's a spirit that's connected to the sacredness of the medicine and the space that one holds for the medicine. And there's also a spirit that's there to guide how it should be taken and the message and teachings of the medicine that it helps you facilitate within your being because it's not just a body thing. It's a spiritual, it's an emotional, it's a mental thing. And then there's the understanding of the person who's delivering the message, the, the, I'm sorry, the medicine is mm -hmm. to be reverent and to be respectful to nature and has built that relationship with that, that reverence and respect and that humbleness and that kindness to the spirits of nature for them to be able to even step into the space of offering medicine. And now I see people who are stepping into that space, but they don't have the respect. They don't know how to talk to spirit. They just give people the medicine, drum mm -hmm. a little, you know, maybe chant a little, and, and see what happens to people and not really honor these sacred ways. How does that make you feel as a medicine woman who operates in this level of integrity and respect for the deep knowledge and rooted knowledge that you have ascertained since you were a kid? Mm -hmm. 
I think like you were saying, you know, the, you cannot withdraw a soul from, from a plant. And that's sadly what science has done a lot to these like highly synthesized chemical derivatives of plant compounds, you know, and although it can be effective and there's incredible medicines made by nootropic companies or pharmaceutical companies that use more like nutraceuticals, where it's just like high and potent extractions of specific compounds. But lead is not only isolating a compound from a holistic environment, meaning nature, you're also taking out the soul of what is already made in a perfected way by nature through thousands, millions of years, you know? So I think that is what's also preoccupying. Like people think it's like, oh, this is like the most powerful, most potent isolate of XYZ. It just, you're just not using already what nature has created and you're just isolating a lot of aspects. So I think just withdrawing that soul is already a problem. You know, you're not healing on a very deeply holistic level that plants already have. And then secondly, a lot of people think it's like this woo-woo concept that you're talking to a plant spirit and it literally is not. Like there is actually a cosmology in science that connects us to the spirit of plants. Like curanderos and shamans are not wondering like, oh, today chamomile told me that I'm a special person. You know, it's not, it's not like it doesn't go that way. They go in nature. They have full-blown conversations with plants that even yeah. tell them about people that will show up that will need them, that they yeah. haven't even met yet, you know, or something like that. And so how do you explain these incredible and powerful accounts of this powerful indigenous form of connecting to nature? that we really all have in our soul, all of our blood, regardless of your skin color, who you are, where you come from. This is what you're here to do. We're earthlings. We all have this power. It's just about really doing it. So when we created our medicines, you know, and it's so, I'm so grateful. We kind of grew and grew and grew as a company. And I really wanted to preserve these gorgeously sourced wildcrafted ingredients. And there was a point where it just could not happen anymore. You know, it's like we could not source the same indigenously source and say, Suma or cat's claw from yeah. Peru somewhere or so I what we turned into was more in like how can we support indigenously harvested material or supporting a small farm for them for them to also have a sustainable economy you know and, and it's not always easy so a lot of indigenous people sadly they're just caught in these disgustingly massive corporations in the Amazon you know like rubber tapping is a very classic one and it's true slave labor to this day you know, like rubber tapping. It's absolutely horrible. It's unlivable wages and they get treated like absolute shit. Honestly, it's just really horrible. And then they're just used to doing that. So they left their tribe and then they're just rubber tapping because that's all there is within very remote place in the Amazon, you know? So I think if we can somehow go to them and be like, hey, let's preserve what your grandmother used to do because it's younger generations um, we support you in growing a farm, let's say, of Brazilian ginseng and have you make money separate from rubber tapping, you know? So it's like it's really creating that conversion. And that's how you can create a sustainable yet growingly powerful, you know, medicine source for all of us. I know a lot of people get triggered by that. It's like, why would you go tell the indigenous person to go, you know, make money? They don't even need money. And that's actually not true. You go to these places, it's extremely poor. They still use money. They still have coins in a pocket somewhere and they can barely survive. And they're literally drinking Coca-Cola, you know? So it's just kind of like, how can you offer these opportunities and like have them stop working for mass corporations that are just not only killing the forest, but just having people work the most horrible of conditions in, in these jobs, you know? 
So it's a bittersweet reality. You know, how can you support yet not in respect and not appropriate anything? You know? Yeah, that has always been my um, awareness is the how even just like with the mushrooms, you know, like how at one point the mushrooms, you know, weren't even known by Western world. And then someone shared it with the Western world. And instead of people having reverence and understanding and really going through the sacredness of it, they just all went and took the mushrooms from the indigenous people and really destroyed their whole entire system, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's that same mentality of, don't tread on me. It's the it's the awareness of, you know, if we are going to to preserve the qualities of life that are worth preserving, which are so many, and also the foundations of where all things come from, which is from the indigenous cultures. Right. Then we need to also start looking at our behaviors and what we're contributing back to the indigenous cultures. And I think that's really great topic that we're talking about right now because there's so many indigenous cultures and I, I get sick of hearing sometimes in the Western world where people even say to me like, well, you're a shaman, you should give everything for free, you know? And I said, oh, okay. And yeah, and then people would say to me, yeah, because you know, if you are who you really are, you should give it for free. And then people will pay you based on how good you are and bring you food based on how good you are. And, and, and that's the same thing. They think that, you know, indigenous cultures don't need money and like, they're just living off of bananas, you yeah. know, and that's just completely so, um, just not in awareness, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Cl cl people clearly do have not seen people that say that clearly have not seen the actual reality of indigenous people, the majority of today. A lot of them are not just living in some off the grid heavenly sanctuary in some forest somewhere in total pristine conditions. No, oftentimes there's like, let's say like the dumping of whatever. There's so much dumping, even like sugarcane production. They have all these chemical dumping sites in the middle of nowhere, bordering indigenous land all over the world. They have airplanes fumigating the most toxic of chemicals, heck, hundreds or thousands of hectares of land. You know, and then it's bordering on indigenous land that is segregated by the government. But those people are obviously working for a Chiquita banana plantation or whatever it is. And they're going there for work every day to make probably $5 a day to this day, you know, yeah. maximum, maximum. So they're not only getting pesticided, they're getting horrible uh, health conditions. Everything is just the winds blow all that horrible stuff onto their land, obviously, right? So they're obviously not only working there, they're also getting mega sprayed and it's just a dump yard, even though they're in the forest. So it's just really hard because you want to offer opportunities to them to basically get out of there in those conditions and not work for those horrible wages and conditions where they are. So I think if you can offer regenerative, awesome, sustainably and a sustainable economy for them, why not? You know, there's so many entrepreneurs nowadays, like integrate them in wonderful ways. And they would be so grateful. It would be such a beautiful way to connect and continue preserving indigenous knowledge by not allowing younger generations to succumb to globalization in that way, you know. The Lit Verified store is open. But what does Lit Verified mean? Lit Verified is an acknowledgement and stamp of approval 
by the tribe. I have tried each of these products and they are the best. Lit Verified products vary from beauty, technology, clothing, food, health, and wellness, and anything that is ethically sourced, organic, maintained, and sustainable. Not every product offered to the team passes the Lit Verified test. No. Not at all. Every Lit Verified product is carefully researched. Every CEO has been met with. Every ingredient carefully looked into the process production of all of it. I have seen the impact these vendors are making. Their vision and ethics are aligned with our tribe, with people who are consciously supporting community and want to make a difference in our world and make it a better place for us. Lit Verified products are ethically sourced and meet the highest industry standards. When purchasing Lit Verified products, we give back by creating sustainability and by leading the world to make better choices. You can be confident that you're buying into a company that supports a vision for change, not just a company that wants to line their pockets with money. We live in a time where we are oversaturated by commercials, TV, and social media, where far too many celebrities and influencers are endorsing things they know nothing about and things they might be doing damage to people, to the earth, and to animals. With Lit Verified, we've taken that doubt out of the equation. You're not only getting the best, but you're also doing the best. Pick up your awesome Lit Verified items at shamanduric.com and click on the link that takes you to Lit Verified. Love well, tribe. Wow, this is so potent and powerful conversation we're having because I really feel like people around the world need to hear this. Mm-hmm. They really do. And this is one of the reasons why I love, um, you know, the things that you've created because you're bringing that awareness into just the fact that someone is utilizing um, the herbs that you, in the medicines that you bring forth. You know, uh, so when we look at it from the perspective of take us through your farm to pharmacy experience through the art of medicine and making the herbs. Yeah. And it's so funny because we use that term for so long and now FDA is not letting us use the word pharmacy at all anymore. (laughs) So we actually cannot even use the word medicine anymore uh, due to new regulations. Due to new regulations uh, for the supplement herbal categories of life. So it's just really sad because I understand, you know, they they call herbal companies, literally the terminology is pseudo pharmacy. So if you're being a pseudo pharmacy, it means you're a herbal company, most likely under FDA standards, unless you're obviously pharmaceutically, you know, founded as an entity. Um, but anyway, so unfortunately, we un- we have to steer away from that uh, topic. I mean, that, uh, let's say, hashtag that we've been using or, you know, just kind of like to kind of denote our intention. But originally, our intention was to literally create remedies from plants and creating a pharmacy, which is the original pharmacy from those plants. Um, so unfortunately, the word pharmacy is like we cannot even use it anymore. Us herbalists. Um, it's just like you can literally get into legal problems with it. And it's- and, you know, it's like, this is the true, this is where medicines come from. Mm-hmm. Pharmaceutical exactly. medicines are not even a hundred years old. And they are obviously all derived from all these traditions all over the world. So it's just really sad to see that we're just kind of going through this huge death phase of herbalism, which is the foundation of all medicine. You know, like when you talk about ancient physicians, all these traditions, they were all herbalists. It wasn't like they were not herbalists or herbalists. You know, they were all herbalists. And now it's more like 
herbalists don't practice medicine. We practice medicine, you know? So yeah, it's unfortunate. You know, my big conversation that I have with the world that I keep getting in trouble for is the idea I'm always saying to, cause I'm always getting like doctors and people coming at me all the time and in the press and everything. And I say to them, you forget that it was the herbalist that turned to the alchemist that turned to the physician and mm-hmm. everything that you're doing and learning about has come from the ancient times and mm-hmm. has just been upgraded and upgraded and upgraded. And then what you've done is you've, you've cut off the stem of wisdom and the rooted seed and think that this tree is growing out of nowhere, but, uh, you know, but the roots are not connected and you wonder why we haven't been able to utilize all available resources for uh, disease and, and, and health issues because we're missing the most important aspect of that. And that is the seed that is the roots that are in the deep earth. And that is the understanding of what made that tree what it is, you know? And I get so in trouble all the time. I always have, I mean, just even recently, they were saying to me that I have to make a choice where I'm either for the school of medicine or I'm for alternative therapy. And I'm like, why can't I be for both? Exactly. And I completely agree with you. It is both. Why can't we have the best of both worlds? It is okay to have both. You know, it doesn't have to be one or the other. Yeah. What? Mm-hmm. Why, why do you think, from your uh, opinion, that the world wants to separate that that root and that seed from mm-hmm. the rest of the equation? Yeah, and it's funny because that's how we actually birthed our name. The, the reason we call ourselves Anima Mundi, which literally translates to the world soul, is like that reconnection to the world soul as a collective, as the collective mind re-encounters the soul of nature and unify us again. Yeah. You know, I think that major disconnection to world soul is literally the foundation of, of our imbalance as a modern day community. You know, like, how can we go back to that source that is just inseparable? You can't separate the soul from the body, you know? So it's just like, how can we go back to that as a collective? And so this was all, the whole mission of that was to truly create, recreate the bridge back to nature through plant remedies and incredible ancient knowledge that helped us heal our body, mind, and soul. You know, so I think it's so funny to see that because I also know since the whole, especially the pandemic, you know, a lot of people saying their scientific opinion versus their herbalist and this and that. Like, there's no need to fight over this. We all want to be in wholeness and healing. We all need this. It doesn't matter how you get there. We all need it. So whatever system of thought that you believe in, regardless if you believe in pharmacy or not, I think, for example, we've gotten so many requests of people that want to boost their immune system naturally, regardless of what they've chosen to do with their life. Their life, You have to boost your immune system naturally, regardless of who you are, through your food, through your supplements, through your herbs, through your teas, through your lifestyle, connecting to nature, walking barefoot, doing your ceremony or not, you know? So I think that's how we can all have like a common denominator that's shared, that we can all have these beautiful remedies to share with and, and enjoy regardless. It doesn't matter what you believe in, you know? So I just think all of our ancestors have gone through these plagues, gone through these pandemics, epidemics, and so on. 
Uh, and all were, we all came to the table and ate our medicinal foods. And that's what we can do regardless of our belief system, you know? You know, but I feel like on some level that the autonomy of one's health is that the system that creates that, that creates that separation, I feel like they don't want us to have autonomy. They don't want us to be self-educated. Your thoughts. <clears throat> See your throat. That that's a that's a <laughs> that's a big one for you. <laughs> yeah, no, truly. I'm like drying out too. I'm like, you're right. Uh, I agree. I think not being given autonomy is absolute craziness. Why can't we choose what we want to eat and what we want to drink, what medicines we can take or not? Or why can't we use the word medicine for something like reishi or medicinal mushrooms? Why are they disallowing us from using that terminology when it literally is in fact medicine and it has been for thousands of years, you know? And so it just really breaks my heart to see that, that they're just, you know, the sovereignty has to be fought for. Medical freedom has to be fought for, or even the choice of the whole abortion situation. It has to be fought for. Why do we have to fight so much over like what we want to do with our own body? Who are we owned by? Aren't we owned by ourselves? Who owns us and who has the right to choose for us? I just, it's really sad to see, but I do see this generation being that kind of change-making, powerful, destructive force of like, we are sovereign beings and we're here to make our choice. And I think we're in that phase and it's going to get ugly and it is ugly. And, and this is part of like breaking old systems. Yeah. You know, when I got COVID, I made a post about how I went home and worked with my optimizer and did take, took herbs and did yoga and did things to, to, you know, make myself healthy and said, because I was in a hospital, they wanted to give me all these chemicals. And as you know, American hospitals aren't the, I mean, they have their purpose in helping people, but they're also run by pharmaceutical companies that basically want you to stay in there and be sick. And mm -hmm. so when I researched the medicine they were giving me, I realized that there was a lot of people who were getting sick and, and going on ventilators because of that medicine. So I checked myself out and went home and just like took a bunch of herbs and meditated and spoke to my body and, and worked with my optimizer. And I then shared it with everybody and world press went crazy on me saying that I'm a danger to society. I'm crazy for even thinking I have the right to try to heal COVID on my own. And like all this stuff, you know, and it became so big that people started calling me a quack. I'm crazy. What's wrong with you? And my thing was, I have my own autonomy, my own sovereignty. I, if I want to, if I want to go home, and I want to take herbs and I want to go and, and, and sit in the sun and like, you know, and, and move my body to music. So I, so, so I can beat this and this, uh, illness and that's what I'm going to go do. And mm -hmm. I'm sorry that people had a, such a problem with it. And still to this day, I'm being attacked about it because they didn't like the fact that I shared with people go home and, uh, and take care of yourself and love yourself back into health. And to them, that was just like, how dare you tell people that you left the hospital and you checked out and then have the nerve to share it with, with your tribe, you know? And so that was very fascinating for me. That is so sad. But like, you know, if you even think about it, like how can the pharmaceutical industry spend billions of dollars on 
these, let's say, quote unquote, rescue remedies for the population, vaccines, and so yet have zero, hardly any, let's say, marketing power in how to take care of yourself as you, let's say, take your vaccine. What do you do after you take your vaccine? You got to know what to do. You know, and like I have barely seen anything regarding how you take care of yourself during, after, before. So it's just, it just makes no sense that there is this dependency on this specific medicine that they call the ultimate medicine to heal this specific virus. There's a million other kinds of viruses, by the way. Like even here in the rainforest, like my kids go to school and they get consistently so many viruses because it's the rainy season. There's just a million parasites in the rainforest, you know, it's just, so one vaccine actually targets just this one specific kind of virus. And so what do you do for the other viruses that they're still going to catch no matter what? So I think that's where we just have to really understand, okay, you have to take care of yourself. Like you were saying, regardless of your belief system. You got to go home and drink that special broth or drink your teas or how do you fortify your immune system? Not chemically dependent on specific boosters that will not solve all problems, you know, naturally. So I think since also bacteria and viruses are evolutionary, that's also something that's very important. If the virus becomes stronger and evolves with us as a collective, it gets stronger and stronger. So we kind of have to go along with it to keep protecting ourselves. Same with parasites. Parasites get stronger and stronger if you don't relinquish them from the root. And so you just have to upgrade your body to adapt and adapt with it to keep fighting one time and after the other and the other and the other. You know, there's only, there's not just one recipe you take forever to kill parasites. You have to evolve with it. And right, so it's like a place for everything. And I think people forget that. Viruses will come back stronger. That's just the nature of reality. So it's just kind of interesting that that is lost just because of are you pro-vaccine or not? It's not about that. You got to evolve with it through your lifestyle and diet, regardless of what you do. You know. Yeah, I think there's an uh, adaptability uh, concept that goes with everything when it comes to being a human being. If we don't learn how to adapt, we don't we don't thrive, right? And I think <laughs> that the, the thing that I find that's unfortunate, and one of the reasons why I love what you do and what you've created is that you're educating people, but at the same time, you're giving people something that can really support their lives. Whereas a lot of the systems don't tell you exactly what you said, how to take care of yourself. No one said that at all. Everyone was just like, take your hand sanitizer, go home, get vaccinated, you know, or quarantine yourself. But what do you do in that quarantine? What do you do after you take the vaccine when you're still, it makes you sick? What do you do then? You know, uh, what are the, what are these, what are these things that we do for self-care? No one talks about self-care and it's almost as if the system doesn't want you to have self-care so that mm-hmm. you constantly be a, a, a victim to unseen things that you yourself can't know how to, to manage through because you have never been taught the act of self-care. Exactly. You know, it's so funny because when COVID was at its peak, we shared herbal remedies used by indigenous peoples that did not have resources to even get to a place to get vaccinated, even if they wanted to. And so they were in the middle of nowhere with this very strong respiratory virus when it hit. And so we shared the herbal remedies that they were using and in Latin America, right? Herbs that literally are weeds here that you can find anywhere going from the sidewalk. And a lot of them were those kind of herbs that are just growing everywhere through the sidewalk and whatever, right? So, and it's treatments that literally saved so many lives and they were herbal protocols. And so they, of course, like 
throughout history have found incredible ways to heal themselves because they literally had no way to even get to hospitals. They're so far away. They don't even, they're not going to trek for days to a town that might even not have vaccines, nor did they even have them fast enough in specific rural areas. Yeah. You know, you just got to think and act quick, you know, regardless of where you are. And I feel like that's brilliant because they saved themselves through their incredible ancient knowledge. This is not a, this is not even a fact about like, are you pro or not pro? This is just like, okay, what are you going to do to survive and adapt while it's happening with the resources that you have at your disposal? You know? So it's just interesting. So it's not, I think it's so funny. Everybody was just, it's to this day still attack as if it's something bad to have. No, your toolkit can be vast. What do you want to have in your toolkit? It's up to you. If you want to be dependent on somebody giving you a tool, then that's your choice. But if you can expand your selection and have it all in one place in your home, then do it. Why not? It's not going to hurt anybody nor yourself. You're just going to get stronger and adaptable to these changes, right? I think that's so important that we're talking about this because some people just don't even choose to go into this conversation and why it's so important for us to keep that in the forefront of our minds about what's going on and how we can thrive and adapt through it, you know, because there's so many people who just say to themselves, I have to do whatever they tell me to do because I have no other way of in which to, to move through this. Yeah. And um, what, what would you say is a good starting point for someone to get into the herbs that you create with Anima Mundi? I would say a good starting point. Like it really depends. Oops, sorry. I think it got cut. Oh, sorry. I, I talked over you. I said, what is a must have? Must have. Yeah. So it all really depends how you want to start. You know, I always love starting with mushrooms because it's kind of like the easy, safe healing forefront that people that might not be used to herbs like to kind of get their feet wet and kind of see if it works, you know. So I think uh, mushrooms are great, especially adaptogenic mushrooms are just excellent because it just helps build our longevity and adaptability long term. So you can kind of integrate them in your food. You can have them in your miso soup and your smoothies and your whatever kind of bowls you like to eat. I love including herbs and food. I just think it's the best way. First off, because you don't taste them, especially if you don't like the herbal taste. Second off, you're just eating it through wholesome meals. So it kind of invites you to create yummy meals at home. And then thirdly, it's just easy to share, even with your kids, young people, old people, like it doesn't matter. You know, everybody's just kind of enjoying it. So I just really love mushrooms in that way. They're very much like a medicinal food. Um, I love all kinds of adaptogens, which I know it's so much of like a trending topic, but it really is incredible for our times. It's all about building resilience and adaptability to stressors, all kinds of stressors, environmental stressors, uh, psychological stressors, spiritual stressors. It really helps us in that adaptation, which I think is also incredible. Like just even rhodiola, like the Siberian shamans in that use rhodiola and were said to be the first ones to encounter it they knew that it would help them spiritually within like rugged terrains to navigate during hard times. So it wasn't just used for incredible endurance and strength. It was also used for spiritual protection. So yeah. it's so beautiful. All these plants have that, you know, they have that resilience to our spirit as well, which is what we all need mental health and spiritual health. Um, you know, as we build our physical health. And then other ones I love, especially I love drinking Mukuna, all the brain boosting herbs. I love all the brain related things. I think even the non-believers, I like to say that drink nootropics, botanical nootropics, see incredible results. 
I know so many people that work on the computer, they're on Zoom calls all day long. So this is a great way to protect our brain, neuroprotective plants like Rami, Tulsi are excellent Ayurvedic plants that, you know, just great protection. Lion's vein, a great mushroom. Mukuna, excellent for cognitive boosting. Ginkgo and so on. So I love those. I love all the mentally spiritual connected plants for, for anybody. It's really great. Yeah. So that's the first thing they should have in their um, herbal cabinet from your, from, from Anima, Anima Mundi is those ones. Yeah. I think that's mm-hmm. wonderful. And, you know, and so when it comes to how we are um, progressing in our evolution, when people start to what, like, what is your vision for Anima Mundi for really bringing a greater um, life for people? Like what is your, your ultimate um, vision? My vision right now, especially after everything that we've gone through, I think it's more continuing to invest in farmers and people that would be interested in growing medicinal plants for regeneratively and sustainably. That is really what I want to step into more and more people that you can collaborate with where they have their farm and they can farm specifically in certain ways, keeping up to beyond organic standards and just kind of farming in just wonderful ways. Not just also single row, single or farming, like kind of having a, a whole ecology to your farm life. I think it's beautiful. So I'm a, I love to farm. I love to grow and be with my hands dirty in the ground. So that's really specifically, you know, dear to my heart to keep growing in those directions. And I love to think about it as a community, not just having to like, I own land and I have my farm and it's really exhausting to also own everything yourself. And so to me, it's so great to do it collaboratively. Like if somebody can grow with you and grow for you and specific standards that you need it to be for that kind of high vibrational remedies then I think it's lovely, you know? So that's what I'm really looking forward to and more investing more into time, money, energy, and everything. And being able to continue making incredible farm to pharmacy type medicines without the pharmacy. (laughs) (laughs) And how can people get in touch with you? Connect with your wisdom and connect with the things that you're creating. Great. So our social media is a great place to connect. We love to keep it like a true community platform, not just for, you know, anything other. We just love to focus on education. It's like our primary thing. Our newsletter too. We're like every week we send very educational newsletters on herbalism or different topics that are training in the world and how to integrate that alternatively or just into your life. Um, same with recipes. We just love to show how to work with medicinal plants. So it's not intimidating and you can just kind of integrate it easily and seeing how easy it is to actually work with plants. So yeah, you can find us there and we love our newsletter. We pour so much love and devotion into it. So if you're a reader, we love to submit writings on that. So definitely find us through there. Wonderful. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Such a true pleasure. Truly. Thank you for having me. I'm really honored. Thank you so much. You're welcome, my love. Thank you. Thank you. I've created the Healing Temple because people all over the world want and need healing, but don't have the access to those healers or can't afford them. One of the biggest high-ticket items in the world today is remote healing, but some sessions cost hundreds to even thousands of dollars. And for only $10, the Healing Temple is a collective space for people to come together every Friday for 30 minutes. Participants are opening a wellspring of abilities, alleviating stress and brain fog, 
where the mind becomes more optimized and performance-based, and where you learn to utilize energy to up-level your consciousness. The Healing Temple also helps to break down walls where you begin operating in awareness of wellness, feeling ambitious and inspired like things are really changing in your life. Inside the Healing Temple, you're also stepping into a world where you might experience phenomenons that you thought wasn't possible. Something as small as a chill or the hair standing on the back of your neck becomes like an opening door. Some members have even said they've experienced increased psychic abilities and that these sensations have intensified with following sessions. I've trained my powers to impact change and I've learned how to get results. Who doesn't want to feel good? The Healing Temple is not only beneficial to you, but also to those around you. Because when you're feeling good, you shine that positive energy onto others. Your partner, your children, co-workers, even your dog or your cat. Everyone around you begins to feel better because you are feeling better. It's a rippling effect that's much needed on this planet. We need the Healing Temple more than ever right now because of all that's happening in the world, the social political structures, calamities, chaos, and feelings of hopelessness and despair. The social climate is on high and this pressure cooker is taking a negative toll on how many of us feel. The Healing Temple offers comfort on a global level because when more people are feeling good, the more kindness, generosity, and realness is generated. For only $10, I invite you to become part of the community that seeks to do good, to feel good, and to make this world a better place. Go to shamandurek.com and click the Healing Temple to join our wellspring of healing, restoration, and elevated consciousness. See you in the temple. Thank you so much for tuning in to Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. Tribe, I love you all so much. And if you want to stay connected, be sure to check me out on IG at Shaman Durek. And if you have any questions whatsoever, please visit shamandurek.com or contact info at shamandurek.com to learn more. And remember, tribe, no matter what, stay lit.